What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Psychovertical Podcast. I am your host, Andy Kirkpatrick. Uh, I wonder if you should change that. I mean, I'm the host. There's only me here. so Anyway, it's me, Andy Kirkpatrick, uh, hosting. Um, what, am I, what am I talking about this week? Uh, I'm going to do a, gonna do a Q&A. I'm sorry, it's a bit late. I'm going to do a Q&A. I've got like a few questions that came in last week on on my uh, on email, and I've got a few other questions. Uh, a few other things to talk about, like gear, gear related. Uh, we just had this big, big storm here, storm bollocks, whatever it's called. Like, I really don't, I really don't like the way they keep giving names to all these fucking, all these like moronochrome and all that kind of stuff. Like, I really, I, I'm not, I'm not keen on it to, to, pers- to give it a personality. So true, true to form. Like, you know, Ireland must have had like. A million storms, but they're now sort of giving them these like colours, and it's like a red, red warning. So everything was, you know, schools have to close down, and everyone's terrified to to allow, you know, to you know, it's like was it the Werner Herzog thing? You know, it's best to ask for forgiveness, not for permission. Where now people just say, oh no, we're we're, we're recommending that people, you know, shelter in place uh, from this horrific storm. Uh, because they're afraid they might get into trouble if someone like crashes into a tree or whatever. I think people are pretty good at not crashing into trees. Like the number of people who crash into a tree is actually quite small. Most people like trees land on cars and that kills like one or two people. But um, I would have thought more people staying at home, you know, getting like electrocuted by toasters or something is probably more more dangerous. But um, it was good. It was good actually. I'm doing a. I'm doing a talk for that the Mayo Clinic, and I was I had to come up with a title, 
So I've, I have been thinking quite a lot about this, about living in like a risk-averse society and how dangerous it is. Um, so I've, so I've, my title's like Running With Scissors and like the danger of living in a safe world or something. Um, actually, funny, so Noah, who is now one years old, uh, from the age of like six months, he could like climb up the stairs. But I've started like teaching him to climb back down the stairs because uh, there's a stair gate at the bottom, a stair gate at the top. But ideally, you don't want him like trying to go down the stairs. Going up the stairs is dangerous enough by himself but um it does it doesn't go by himself by the way but he has gone up by himself because there's sometimes a stair gate's been open and he's he's kind of got got up there so um so yeah so I've been teaching him how to allowing him to work out how to go down the stairs without any kind of help uh which is kind of handy because recently I was I was in I was looking after him and we were up upstairs together and suddenly there was like it was quiet I was like what's he doing and I kind of ran round and he was like about three steps down from the top of the stairs so so yeah so that's that you know if you live in like a risk averse world in which you don't let children anywhere near the stairs then you probably end up with a child with a broken arm or, or worse because they'll fall down the stairs so um it's quite imp- it's quite important to like immunize your kids against dangerous stuff like about against cars and dogs and trees and you know you know getting them to be able to hold on a, on a roundabout without having such a weak grip that they fall off and break their arm and stuff. So although you don't get many break, broken bones with kids these days. So I'm sound, I sound like an old, an old fart. So, but anyway, that's yeah. Risk, risk, uh, risk is quite, um, it's quite an important, quite an important thing. So, um, so uh, on the, the new, on the, on the, <laughs> on the other news on the home front. So my son, Ewan, is now li- now working at Super Value, which is the local um, local uh, supermarket, which is kind of cool. He's got his own aisle, dog food aisle, so he has to he has to keep up on that. Um, so it's been quite a quite a rude awakening. He's basically been living in his bedroom for about three years, playing playing Xbox, and suddenly he's like having to get up early and go in there with his uniform on and he's, he's knackered basically because he's he usually goes to bed at like five o'clock in the afternoon and he's suddenly he's suddenly you know man man at work so it's kind of been cool it's been cool seeing him because he usually doesn't really eat any food because he doesn't doesn't expend he's got this he's had the same trainers for about four years because he doesn't go, go anywhere which is kind of weird it's kind of weird that he's my son but i do love him and uh but he lives in he lives he doesn't live with me he lives in sheffield he would have had a hard hard life i guess if he lived with me so he he uh so it's been interesting like he's been like eating like a horse like he's eating like a huge bowl of porridge and he comes back for his lunch because only 10 minutes away he comes back and he has like a massive whole baguette and then he comes back he wants his tea so it's been yeah it's been it's been interesting it's interesting that he was trying he was trying to get a job in sheffield for for months and months and months couldn't get one and he got one here in uh in a day in a day basically so if there's any if there's any young Young British people out there, uh, or not just British people, anyone. There's a lot of work in Ireland. Uh, a lot of it's not because in England everyone was saying like, oh, because of Brexit, we can't get anyone to work. But it's nothing to do with Brexit. Um, it's to do with people just going home because of the pandemic and stuff, and they just just decide to go back to Latvia or or Poland or whatever. So, anyways, lots of work here. Uh, lots of work in in all sorts of places. So it's, a, it's quite and you and. If you're a Brit, you can get a job in Ireland. You just get your—it's it's the same. The Brexit didn't make any difference, so you can just come and get your 
PPE number, what it's called, and start working. So yeah, get off your ass and come to the come to the the the, the what's it called? The something the something Isle, the Green Isle, no, the Emerald Isle. That's it. Anyway, so so yes, that's cool. Um, anything else? Any other news? Any other? Um, I think that's it. I think um, <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing happening. Uh, I'm started watching better. Vanessa's been watching Better Call Saul. That's been our like evening um, entertainment uh, post. Getting the baby to bed is going is sitting downstairs watching Better Call Saul. Christmas trees up. Um, that's it. I've been I've been rebuilding a like an an Apple a Mac an Apple Mac. I think I said this on the last podcast of a five point one five comma one. If you're like a real Apple wanker, five comma not not point one not point. Um, so. So that's been that's been seems to be taking up way too much time, way, way too much time. But I'm trying to uh, on my uh, my ongoing sort of. Do you know the, I've got to do a podcast this week, the Dallin Paul podcast. Don't listen to it because it's probably me talking about COVID and conspiracy theories and stuff like good old days. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, James Dallin Paul doing his podcast. Um, but on my, I, I had this idea of saying to him about, you know, people are always talking about investing in gold or investing in silver or bitcoins, where I kind of think you should invest in like sanity and, uh, you know, in logic and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and the, I have this thing about instinct. Like I basically, I'm, I'm a total ignoramus. I don't know anything. Like you'll be on a podcast like that and, you know, you'll have people like quoting Proust or something. I'll, I've, I don't know, you know. The other day, someone said to me, said to me, "Have you ever read? Have you ever read uh, the Road to Serfdom?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't like surfing." And uh, that's a spell, by the way. That's a good. That's quite a good spell. Good example of a spell. I've actually realised that a spell is actually just trolling. I just that's, that suddenly came to me that that's like you're basically trolling people when you say shit like that. Um, I had this. I had this idea. It sounds. God, it sounds like I'm a bit manic. To, I have just. I'm drinking some tea. Maybe it's gone to my head. But I had this idea about Justin Bieber. I, I kind of. Have you listened to Justin Bieber singing "Fast Car"? Like type in Justin Bieber "Fast Car." Is it "Fast Car" by Chasey Trapman? Chasey Tra- Trapman. And uh, anyway, listen to that. It made me. It made my. It made me think differently about Justin Bieber. And I was thinking about when Justin Bieber went to. He went to uh, Anne Frank Museum and he basically wrote in this visitor's book, like, I'm sure she would have been a believer or something. <laughs> so but maybe he was just like trolling us. And he went to the Sistine Chapel and he said, oh, I love the 16th Chapel. So maybe maybe all these like Zuma people, is he a Zuma? I guess so, are all like fucking trolling us all the time. And we always feel so superior when really we're just we're just being stupid, basically. So... So yeah, I have, a, I have a bit of, I have a bit, maybe, you know, I've, I've been listening to some interesting Zuma people. I don't know what Zuma is, but someone who sounds young. And it's basically someone who's uh, young, but it's not fucking annoying. I reckon that's what Zuma is. And I've been listening to like a few, a few podcasts by Zoomers. And it's been, uh, been kind of in- interesting picking up the, picking up the lingo. And um, I think they're actually going to be quite Neo, I think they're going to be like neo-reactionary, which is says to be reactionary, but it sounds better. Uh, reactionary. I think they're going to be into like Catholicism and you know <laughs> Jesus Christ and all that kind of stuff, which will be, which should be it's probably better than the alternative. So better to believe in something. Um, anyway, so I should bet I, sh- I should better begin. 
uh, oh, but just seen the um, the nice uh, guys over at um, uh, what's it called? What's their podcast? Uh, the, the, the uh, YouTube channel. Um, I'm just looking what it says. You know, how not to? You know the how not to YouTube channel, like how not to slackline and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they've they've just done like a a piece on down, which is looks kind of cool, where they're doing some some sort of hacks, like abseiling things. So that was that was that's kind of cool. Um, I don't I haven't been able to watch it because I find I just find I find it too stressful uh, watching watching stuff like that for some reason. I just feel, I, I don't know. Um, oh yeah, so uh, back to the back to, back to my point was the reason I'm building a. Uh, a desktop is I'm going I'm going less mobile I'm not going mobile and trying to trying to have a desktop in my house which is in this office um best thing about an office it sounds like orifice isn't it like I'm in my orifice is um is so I can't I can't be like in this house with a laptop as in sat watching telly with a laptop sat having my breakfast with a laptop so it's an it's an extra it's an extra you know, string to my bow of like sanity is, you know, no mobile, you know, no mobile, a dumb mobile phone and all that kind of stuff. No social media, blah blah blah. So it's um, you know, it's kind of it's working out quite well. I quite like coming here, and there's something old school about switching on a big massive silver box and it's starting up and stuff. And uh, I did, I was getting through about probably a laptop a year. Uh, if you just you know if you're on it all the time, I guess it I guess it's like a if you're a if you're a carpenter, you know you probably break a drill every year or something. So a lot of laptops are more expensive. So I have been you know breaking things, breaking a laptop every year, like various ways, driving a car over one, uh, lots of like just spilling stuff on them, uh, screens breaking and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of it's kind of expensive, but it is a I don't have a lot of outgoings. Um, for for if you're a writer, you really it's really just your computer is the main out outgoing. So yeah, so it's this uh, Mac Mac thingy is um it's kind of interesting. It's interesting building a, a building. It's interesting being interesting in something that's not something toxic. Um, not not that climbing's toxic, but like it's it's maybe that's a maybe that's a that's another that's another facet. If you're gonna really if you're really going to focus lots of your energy, you might as well focus on something that's actually going to make you happy, like get into like building model airplanes or something rather than being interested in politics. Cause really it's kind of pointless. Like I years like I think 2014 or something, I wrote this art, wrote this article that's in my book, uh, unknown pleasures called, um, learned, learned helplessness, which at the time wasn't really a thing. I don't think many people know, knew what learned helplessness was but in it but for me that the the gist of what i wrote was about how people become like numb they become numb to everything everything around them like you know they just become apathetic and you know it's like oh, if you you know you you know you you're you're eating asbestos <laughs> you're eating asbestos every day you're going to die and they're like oh i don't really care you know or like oh there's a there's a, a meteorite's going to strike here in the you know, in twenty four hours, if you you, know, you need to build yourself a bomb shelter, oh, I'm not really bothered. I'm not really bothered. You know, is that kind of apathy? And um, and it came from when part. It's come from like the nineteen sixties. Some sort of 
psychiatrists, um, sociologists, socialists, anyway, socialists, some um, scientists studied dogs where they gave them like electric shocks and things. And um, basically it's this thing where you don't, you don't really, you don't, you just think there's no, there's no escape. So it's a bit like with the, you know, you can't go anywhere. Everywhere's got a mask mandate. Everywhere's got a, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's a similar kind of thing. Like they tried it on a, they had a guy, an Al Qaeda guy, where they basically put him in a coffin for three hundred hours, and then they like waterboarded him for like eighty times or something. And you know, eventually you just get, you just get to the point where you just give up. It's not really, it's not really a good state. If you want to destroy, if you want to break someone, that's what you do. So it's this idea of, of being so broken that you don't even want to escape anymore because you just think they're going to get you. So it's a very interesting. I don't know what the point is uh, of that of that statement, but. Um, yeah, but I was, I was <laughs> yeah. So an alternative to getting into like model bit model making or or um you know start playing learn to play the the guitar or something or the penny penny whistle is I was I had this idea. It's um if you're gonna if you're gonna just engage with the world and all the shit that's going on like in politics and and everything else. If you're gonna read the Guardian every day and look at the BBC website every day, it's the equivalent of basically like being in in being locked in a prison cell with some guy who rapes you every day, as a man, not as a woman, and um, basically you're gonna have to just you're gonna in your mind you could have this idea that maybe one day you'll escape or you'll be let free or something or you know you'll 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 kill him or something, but re- really those things aren't gonna happen. So the only thing you can do is kind of start to tell yourself you're enjoying it if that makes any sense, and I think that's kind of a weird. I think that's kind of how people kind of process a lot of shit which is like intolerable and you know destruction of their freedom and everything else they're like actually i quite like i quite like <laughs> i quite like I quite like you know being locked in my house and stuff so maybe maybe i'm thinking more like this because we're going sort of i feel like we're going backwards here in ireland so anyway enough of that rubbish um right, let's get on to these questions uh I think the first one is about um the first one is about cam hooks. Uh question, is it okay to take lead falls on to bomber cam hooks? I can't see why not, but they only ever seem to be used for aid climbing. So if you don't know what a cam hook is, it's like a if you imagine a flat piece of flat piece of uh steel, which is probably the size of like a chisel. And uh, it's kind of bent at 90 degrees or a bit more than 90 degrees, like 90-something degrees. And um, then what you do is you it's got a hole in one end in the long end, that like long arm with the, with you put cord through it. And you actually put it into a crack, into a narrow crack. At the time of crack, you would put a, a lost arrow in or something. And then when you stand on it, it kind of talks in, a bit like an ice axe. You put an ice axe blade in a crack. And you and you pull the shaft; it kind of locks itself into the into the into the cracks. It works, yeah. It works kind of the, the same way. Um, I think if it was on a anyway. So 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 you have like a few different sizes. You have like a micro, which most people don't use, and you have like a standard size, which is probably one of the more useful. And then you have the a wide, which is um, wider, but it's also a little bit thinner. Because it's got this, this kind of more metal there, and then you have an aluminium one, which is thick, but it's made out of aluminium, which is actually quite sticky because it's aluminium, but it's probably not as strong. 
And um, yeah, they were they were an amazing thing for for aid climbing um, because instead of like having to use p- pitons in the very very thin cracks or trying to put in like RPs or really small wires, you can just uh, whack whack in these things. So they they really speed things up. Like there's some there's a pitch on the she on the pitch on. On Zodiac on El Cap, which is like a an up an undercling where you know you put like cams in this undercling if you were if you're going to free climb it, which you're not going to, and it's like a huge big like flake, and you can you could go across with like really small cams, and it's kind of probably quite scary, but kind of safe. You could put lots of pit on, there used to be lots of pitons on there, but they're all been taken out. But instead, you instead you just go along on like two cam hooks. So you put one cam hook in, stand on it, on your aders, put the other one in. Cat stand on that one, leapfrog the other one, stand on it, uh, like, and you can go for you know like twenty meters without any gear, just on these, just on one camel at a time, which is actually fucking terrifying. Uh, when I last time I did, it, I actually had three cam hooks. I had a cam hook on a daisy chain, and I just kept moving that one along. So you always had like two pieces of gear in all the time, and then eventually you get to the end, you put some gear in, um, or you could like run the whole thing out. But it's, but yeah, the kind of the kind of cool thing. So. For for protection, you can you can take like daisy chain falls onto them. They are they are actually like very very strong because they're made out of steel, and um, yeah. So they're if you if you don't want to hammer in a peg, like you, potentially they could be as strong or stronger than a peg. But they you know because a peg if you have like a parallel say vertical crack. Is if when the force comes onto the peg, it can like rotate the peg around, and the peg will just pop out. Uh, so you really want like a peg um, above, uh, below, like a bit of a constriction. So it tends to, it tends to like or above or below a constriction. It, it, that kind of tends to help like, lock it in there. Ideally, you want it in like a pod between, you know, in a slot between two constrictions, because then it like really keys in there. Um, but the the main problem with them is that if when you fall off, uh, when you take your weight off them, they tend to fall out. So the classic aid move is where you get onto a cam hook, and then you 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 realise it's not actually very good, and it's it might pop out like you can hear it, you know, being dodgy. But before you can step back onto the other one, it's like fallen out, or it kind of half falls out, and you stand back onto it, and you're like ah, in between the two cam hooks. So so the the main thing with them is probably to somehow lock them in place which you could probably do by stacking them with something else we could stack them with a pit on but you could you could um jam like a nut behind one of them you could you could probably set up a some kind of system where you you fall on both the nut that's stacked behind it and the cam hook you could do all sorts of crazy stuff um some people like put two cam hooks one one against the other like facing each other and then uh, kind of equalize, you know, the kind of kind of equalize. That's kind of one, one technique. Um, or you could you could probably just use if you got like a big, a big bed beak, like a big uh, pecker or something, a big talon. Is it a talon? No, a big um, uh, tomahawk. Um, you could like file it down so it's like sh- like short and stubby but thick, and that that would probably work in very well in some placements, um, like hooks. The hooks are amazing, like the um, bad beak kind of, uh, you know, hook, hooks fantastic. So, so yes, um, I have another question. Uh, blah blah blah. This is from Ollie. 
On page 130 of down under heading the test, you talk about testing two millimeter cord. I can't get the two millimeter cord to break by yanking on it. Do you mean just yank on it by hand? I I cannot quite work out what you meant. Also, it, didn't, it did hold my weight, but even if the two millimeter cord did break when I yanked, I don't see how that translates to a piece I can't yank. It holding mine and partner's weight. If you get me, if you get time, that would be great to answer this question. Um, so basically, so it's it's quite it's it's important to understand bounce testing. So bounce testing is where you apply um, your body weight or more than your body weight um, via a static kind of connector, which could be well, you know, semi-static. It could be a daisy chain, a sling. Uh, you know, adjustable, adjustable lanyard kind of thing. And you, you know, you've got a piece of gear in, say you've got, say you're on a, say you're, you're aid climbing, this is where it comes from. You know, you put like a really bad looking nut into a crack and it looks very, very dodgy. So you can either just like clip into it and stand on it and just start like yarding up on it. But you, you, it could be like a time bomb. It could just, might just like pop out and you'll just be terrified. And what you usually do is you, then you put another bad one in and you just want to get on the one you're off. So you go onto that one and you're like terrified on that one as well. And you, you get another one bad and one in and you get on that one. And so you just have this like string of like terrible gear that might all just fall out if you fall on it. But it generally doesn't. But that's how you feel. So bounce testing is a way of um, is establishing that that piece is solid. Even if it looks terrible, if it'll take a bounce test, uh, you, you know you're safe. So usually you, so you put your wire in, you get your sling your lanyard whatever you clip it into you clip it into the wire and you usually usually adjust it so you can like do it like they can like squat down a little bit so you do like you know you, you'll do like you, you sometimes you can just do like one really hard bounce so like <clears throat> like, <clears throat> like really try and and it's a psychological thing in that you're trying to pull it out you're not trying you're not you're not you don't you don't want to be not wanting to pull it out you want to pull it out that's your job is to pull the god thing pull it out um you know if you're like oh please don't come out please don't come out then you end up with like you kind of half-assed do it and then you're just wasting your time because then you don't trust it either you just wasted the time doing it and you don't trust it as well so so you so you basically clip in and you're like you'd like do it like five times like one really hard two a bit harder four you know do it five times and then if you really really want to do it a few more times if you really think it's terrible you know, but really try and get it out. And eventually, like shit, I can't get it out. I can't. I can't break it. You know, I'm gonna. It's, it must be. It must be good enough. So, you get on it, and then you do the next one, and 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 do it that. Doing it like that means that eventually you'll feel you'll look down a pitch with loads of really really terrible gear, and you'd be like, like every piece of gear on that pitch was like absolutely bomber. So, so a good a good way to to visualize this kind of technique because. It kind of gets more advanced because sometimes you're having to do like bounce testing when you're standing really high on a piece of gear, or you might have to bounce test something that's out to you, out to the side, and there's all sorts of you know ways of doing it. Sometimes you might have to like climb right down, so you've actually got the top rope on the piece of gear on, and then you've got the you've extended your sling so you can you know it's it's very, it's very complicated eventually, but it's the simplest thing is you're trying to pull the thing out. So a good way of testing, a good way of establishing in your brain how how the bounce test works is if you get like a piece of two millimeter cord and you tie it into a loop and you clip it into something 
and then you just clip a sling into it. Now, if you stand on the two millimeter cord, the two, I think two millimeter cord has got like 100 kilo breaking strain when it's knotted. So if you stand on it, it won't it won't break. It'll just be it'll just be the, it'll just be like you know it'll just hold your weight. But if you then clip the sling into you and you just give it like the slightest hard pull, it'll just break. Now when you when you do it, you have to be very aware, very careful because two millimeter cord is very thin, and when it breaks, if you've got your hand near it, it can actually cut into your finger. So wear some gloves when you're doing it. But so that tells you that if you have a piece of gear in and you clip it in with your daisy chain or whatever, and you sit on it, and it holds your weight, that doesn't mean that it's not going to pull out once you start climbing on it. But if you, like, give it a, a one really hard bounce, like, you could probably generate, easily generate, like, like twice your body weight. So a good way of, you realise this is when you have a daisy chain, it's got the pockets, each pocket is worth about two kilonewtons, or whether it's sewn in. It's usually four kilonewtons because you usually have two 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 bar tacks, and it's quite easy to break a bar tack on a on a daisy chain when you're really really bounce testing really hard. So if you if you if you give like five really hard bounce tests to a piece of gear, you know that that will not only hold your weight and not come out when you're on it, but it also should hold your weight uh, in a fall. So 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 how this applies to so the two millimeter cord is just the way. For your brain to, to to understand that when you bounce test it hard, that's going to be like at least twice your body weight. So when when how this applies to abseiling is that if you're abseiling down some blank piece of rock and you get to you know like a a single single a single placement, you know you you got no backup. Like ideally, you know you you'd have a you'd have a wire and then you'd have a cam above it, and the the, the cam is backing up the wires if the wire was to fail you wouldn't die but when you might get to a point where there's there's only one placement for one you know one nut or one you know one pet peg or something so what you what you do when you're still on the abseil rope you put the put the piece in as well as you can and then you just bounce test it and then you know that you know that 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 piece is going to be you know is going to be solid um so it's a really it's a really it's a really good it's a really important technique. I don't know why it's not. I don't know why more people don't know about it, but it's it's, it's it is a total lifesaver, and it also applies for setting up really shitty belays. You know, you can bounce test all the pieces. You can like get three, really three or four really bad or ten really bad placements, bounce test them all individually. So you know they're all kind of okay, and then you can equalize them all together, and make like one really really good um, placement. But it's where it is worth. As I say, like don't don't do it half-assed. Like you have to really want to, you want to want to be be trying to to do it. So, so yeah, um, so yeah, hopefully, that, hopefully that answered the question. Uh, so so the other the other thing I was going to talk about is um, there's there was a I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you anyway. There's been a few things going on at the moment with uh, shunts uh, shunt shunt problems where. Where one person fell, fell, and the shunt completely came off the rope, and this is like appeared in um, on Mountain Project and various other places, and then there's apparently been like another accident uh, with a shunt. Now, because I in um, in uh, me myself and I and on my website, there's quite a few articles which which mention 
self-lining with a shunt. So the person was like self-lining, so like top rope, so top rope climbing with a shunt. And uh, so I had a few people saying I should, you know, I should remove those articles because they're dangerous. And uh, like in the, I think in the past, you know, the the shunt was like a recommended device for that kind of thing. But now, but now, now it's not anymore. Um, so I had, I had two like kindly people like sending, email me about the mountain project on the forum that this was coming up and my name being mentioned, like my, probably my name and Dave McLeod, because we both probably mentioned about self-lining in the past. And one reason we've probably mentioned it is because there isn't really, there's very little information out there and a lot of people will do will you know do their own kind of systems and a lot of them are kind of you know kind of dangerous i would i would say so i think dave actually dave was using a a grigory as well and he's been using a shunt so i think he's actually taken down that material but i haven't i haven't taken my down mine down yet um for various reasons but i'm going to read i'm just going to read out my reply to i've especially sent a reply to to the same reply to um to to people who like contacted me, so I'll I'll read it and then I'll then I'll talk about my current thinking about it. So, so thanks for your email. Although this is another bad climbing accident and a close tragedy, personally I view it in the same way as an accident caused by a faulty grigri or a breaking ski binder binding or a billion dollar stealth bomber crashing due to fault to a faulty line of code in brackets or 7 billion doses of a vaccine that only lasts three months, in that everything fails, breaks, has inherent weakness in construction, design, or concept, or fails to live up to expectations, or is unreasonable or unreasonable ideas around what safety actually means. If anybody followed the recommendation, the recommended solution for self-lining, which I think is now to micro-tractions, you'd still have accidents, even with redundancy built in, but different ones. I've been climbing since age five and worked in the climbing world for about 30 years and know of lots of accidents with shunts and the grigri and harnesses and carabiners and ice axes and crampons and ropes. But this is the first time I've heard of total detachment from a rope with a shunt, which makes me ask if we know the whole story. Did the rope jam on the shunt in the middle mark and the and was the knot rope knotted as a backup above the shunt, not below? And then the climber climbed on and fell, taking a huge factor on the device, something it, like Ascenders, was not designed for? Question mark. The sad part of the story is that people will listen to the uninformed, in brackets, I never said the shunt was safe or recommended anyone self-lining, to anyone self-line, line, but rather the opposite, that it's very dangerous and prone to accidents and start using a single Petzl micro-traction instead, which is 100 times more hazardous to use, and can, as the cam can easily be locked off the rope while climbing. This happened to me twice while lead soloing. Plus, it will chop a rope, not slip. I'd love to write this on a forum, but such places are not about informing or teaching, or trying to be rational anymore. They are just gladiatorial, dick-waving pits, where a single accident allows others to score points, elevate their status by attacking people like me and Dave McLeod and others, or our gotcha moment, primarily by way of misrepresenting what we said 
and in doing so devaluing a lifetime's a lifetime's work in trying to make climbers safer stronger and better and not dying stupid and unavoidable deaths the end result is that neither me or dave are qualified to speak after all we are at uh, where are our certs and certificates to back up what we write and say? Instead, the qualified will be asked an official response to such questions, which being bureaucratic and ass-covering will always be, don't do it. Yes, this leads to a far safer world, one in which we're all protected from accidents, watched over by experts, every sharp edge padded, every stair protected by gates, every trip hazard marked, but that's also not a world in which climbers, bikers, base jumpers can live in. So we need to be careful what we wish for. Best Andy. So, so was, was I being defensive? Um, maybe. Um, <laughs> like I think the point about the Grigri is a good one. Is that if you look at the number of fatalities and injuries and broken bones from people using Grigris, uh that kind of like should you ban the grigri like maybe we should ban belay devices maybe we should ban ropes you know like ropes are inherently dangerous in that you know they can be used incorrectly and not tied or in properly like maybe they're too dangerous the same with harnesses people put harnesses on they don't do the buckles up uh you know even harnesses what about quick draws you know you had the famous case of someone where the quick draws went properly attached and the person died or what about carabiners like carabiners can be incorrectly orientated and they can be opened and then break and you know same with screw gates if you don't use a screw gate properly it could be hang up on the hang up on the nose of the carabiner and you know pop off and you can fall to your death and you know even rock boots you know rock boots sometimes the rubber work rubber work gets sort of worn out and isn't as sticky as it used to be and you can be you know, climbing, standing on a hold you've stood on before and it can just pop off and you can hit the deck and, you know, even like every 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 part of like the climbing, you know, the climbing sort of system you're using is, is dangerous. You know, helmets, you know, helmets can, can disintegrate and if you've got the wrong kind of helmet on, it's not designed for falling down a snow slope and banging into loads and loads of rocks on the way down and, you know, it could disintegrate and you'll die and, you know, you could have a helmet where the the buckle doesn't release when it's under a lot of tension and you you know head could get pulled off because it gets caught in some heavy machinery you know it's it's a it's a dangerous fucking business climbing it really is like um like if you're trying to des- if you're trying to make it safer then you're not going to do it because it's not safe it just isn't safe it's like trying to make motorbiking safer Yes, you can make it a bit safer, but inherently, the safer you make it, the faster people go and kill kill themselves. Probably, I don't know what I don't know what the rates are. People dying, but I think they're quite high. If you look at if you look at like wingsuits in base jumping, you know, were designed to allow people to be able to like track away from cliffs. So the you know the probably the number way way of dying of base jumping was jumping off and being very close to the cliff, and when the parachute opened opens the wrong way around and you crash into the cliff and die so you know being a wingsuit was amazing it allowed you to to fly away from the cliff so when the parachute opened you know you you had even if it were opened the wrong way around and you fl- flew towards the cliff you had enough time to be able to maneuver and, te- and and turn around so but what people what people did you know they just used it to fly so close to the cliff that they could touch the cliff in the wingsuit so 
It's like human. It's kind of human nature. Um, so, but saying that the the most important thing with all equipment is to be made aware of the dangers and the shortcomings, and uh, and to be able to filter out all the bullshit kind of stuff that people will say on forums and everything else, like. Um, like absolute, absolute, absolutists who are like, I would never do this. I would never do that. I would never use this. I would always use fifteen Jumars, all equalized, and I'd have like four ropes. And you know, like the reason why the shunt is kind of was was has always been popular is it's quite a cheap device, and it only you can use it on like one or two ropes, and um, it doesn't require a huge amount of skill or you know, understanding and it kind of goes up up and down the rope to some degree where if you use a a, a crawl or something or a, a jumar, it only goes up a rope. So if, you, if you're traversing, if you go up and then traverse and go up, like basically you, you can't do it because the, the, the rope is too tight. So then you haven't, you end up trying to fiddle with the, with the cam and it gets stuck on the rope. And then before you know it, you've taken the cam off the rope and now you're totally free soloing. And so the, you know there are there are better devices than than the shunt, but but they're probably cost you know five times as much, and a lot of climbers are are going to buy them. And even those, like the um, what's it called the 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 this kind of rope access kind of gadget that people use at the moment, is even that one is like it's very easy. I've seen people with what I saw someone with one, and he actually had it on upside down. You know, so so you you. You're not going to get a shunt upside down, hopefully, because it's got like a little man pointing. But you know, you you end up with this solution that's supposed to be like much much safer. But in my mind, it's not. It's it's kind of more dangerous. It's more, you know, in in order to in order to try and make something that which is way safer, you end up making something that's that requires a far higher degree of, you know, of skill and understanding and and everything else and. You know, yeah, and you might you might end up getting the best be the best rope soloing, top rope self lining device known to man, which is probably going to be something like a, like a Petzl micro ascender or what it's called rescue ascender, something like that. Um, and what happens is you end up like your rope breaks because you you didn't have a you didn't protect the edge or you pull down a big rock, you know, rock comes off at the top of the crag because the rope goes over it or something. So it's just it's just it's just dangerous basically. All these all these things are dangerous. But um uh, uh just go back like yeah yeah um your man who does a lot of videos on this subject um is your man uh what's his name? Uh let's find it. Let's find it. That's his name. Um is Yan. Um Yan uh, Camu. Is it Camu? Camu? And I think he's I think I think I've had quite a few. We've had quite a few emails together, and I think he lives in Quebec. And you know, yeah, there's a lot of really good videos, like a lot of really good content. So uh, Jan like originally emailed me about this problem about, and that I should remove the information on my website. And again, like maybe I was defensive, but I didn't think. I don't think it's a good idea to. I think it's a good idea to like include his video about the about the issue. But it's a you know it's like a device that's kind of on the market and um, um, you know people have been using it for like maybe forty years like a shunt in this kind of way and yes there's been lots of accidents with a shunt um, none this is the first one I've ever heard of where the shunt actually came off the rope 
And he's kind of... So anyway, he's got a, a video. It's called Top Rope Solo the Shunt Can Kill You with the Scorpion Catch, uh, which I highly recommend you uh, check out. I'll put it in the... I'll put a link in the in the notes of the podcast. But it's, a, it's, it's, uh, it's worth seeing it and trying to understand. How, and like how how it would happen is like generally most um, equipment failure comes down to like pilot error. Like you, you didn't have it set up properly. You didn't, you know, like you, the, the way the, the way the, 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 the device fails is, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it'd be possible for it to happen, but not if you've got your rope set up properly, you know, maybe if you're, I don't know, you could probably, be, I think it'd be quite hard to recreate it. And you'd have to have, I would have thought you'd have to be using like quite a thin rope, like a, you know, sub 10 millimeter rope, which I wouldn't recommend for 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 top self-lining. Like I'd always think you should have like a, a 10 or 11 mil, like static, you know, a thick static rope for self-lining, ideally. Um, so, but but being aware of the problem is, maybe that'll make you, Go out and get an, another device, um, like uh, you know that that might that might be you know where the rope at one hundred percent can't escape from the device, and you know like tying backups in the rope is gonna is gonna save you. But but ultimately the all the whole business of of self lining is is just very very dangerous in 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 lots of ways. Um, just just moving around on top of a crag is kind of dangerous. So um so yeah, my wife is shouting at me. Right, that's that sorted out. Uh, <laughs> my son was back from for his uh from his uh, for his lunch. Um, so yeah, so it's a it's a it's a tri- it's a tricky one though because I don't I'm always I'm always aware that I am often writing about stuff that is. Uh, you know, was it what's what's the necronomicon? Like it's kind of forbidden information, really. So you because you're trying you're trying to inform people about things that if they're not informed about could kill them, especially if they just try and make it up for themselves. Like I used to be on the, you know, the rope soloing Facebook group. I had to leave because I just found it too terrifying. This the stuff that people were, you know, and it's like a, a full time job. Just just. Just try, just every day, like in the in on Facebook, saying like, "Don't do this. You're going to kill yourself." Like, there's this. That's just not a safe thing to do. And and of course, people be like, "What do you know? What do you know about rope soloing and that kind that kind of stuff?" Or you sound you sound like you know you think you know more than other people. It's like, well, I did write a book about it, and I have sold the cap lots of times. So anyway, so it's 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 a bit like that. And the and the forums are the same. Like if you go on the forums. You know, it's just uh, I don't know. It's just it's just very hard to before you before you know it, people will be like, "Oh, you're alt right, <laughs> whatever." You know, why should we listen to you? You're a racist. You're alt right or something. And uh, you know, I just can't be asked with all that kind of stuff anymore. So I just don't bother. So, um, yeah. So the you just have to put it out there. Like, look, luckily, like I'm sure people might read things that I've written and it might, they might get killed because they kind of don't really understand them or they don't understand that when I say that something's dangerous and you shouldn't do it, as in there's a disclaimer saying rope soloing is like really, really dangerous. You shouldn't do it. 
you know they probably don't take that seriously but that is that is you know that is like people do die well look people do die rope soloing but people also die more people die self-lining because it's more um common um like I don't, I don't know if i said on this podcast but i I went to Dorky Quarry during lockdown, which is like the quarry in uh, Dublin. I just, I just saw so many absolute fucking spine tinglingly terrible things going on there with people. I saw someone where the guy's son was belaying him, and literally he was like pulling the rope through the belay device with both hands on the kind of you know, the the dead side of the, the life side of the rope. I always get confused. Anyway, the rope where if you fell off, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be doing any good whatsoever. You're just like pulling it up with two hands through this belay device as if he maybe assumed that, you know, a belay device would just lock off automatically, but it wouldn't. It was just like a tube belay device. And so that was like terrifying. I had to go, I literally had to go up to him and say like, excuse me, like I, just, I need to ask like, do you know how to, you know, you'd have to hold on to that 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 other side of the rope, like the, you know, the dead rope, um, you know, otherwise your dad's going to die if he falls off. And the dad was like, oh, I was like, oh, Christ almighty. Like, you know, can you imagine if you, if your dad didn't teach you to belay properly and he falls, falls off and kills himself or, or worse, ends up like paraplegic or something for the rest of his life and you have to look after him and wipe his ass and all that kind of stuff. Like, imagine what that would be like, you know, that for both, for both parties, it's like it's serious, serious, it's serious stuff, basically. And then I went around to the corner, and there was a guy beeling his son, like as in a, as in a small child. He was beeling his son, and he had a belay device with a locker on it, and then he had a quick draw clipped from the locker into his belay loop on his harness, so it's kind of extending it out. And I was just like, what the fuck? And then the rope was going up and then he just had he just had quick draws. He had a quick draw rather than a screw gate and then back down. I didn't even go and look at what his anchor was tied to. I I hate to I hate to imagine. But again I had to come up to him and I was like I did this thing where I say like, oh like basically I'm if that if there was an accident and one of them got killed and I'm standing right next to them like I am kind of legally responsible because I am the most experienced person there and someone could be like why didn't you say something you know you were involved in this accident and there is a there is some kind of comeback so I kind of I kind of went up to him and was like oh sorry I don't want to be a dick about it but you know you're not you know that's not that's not safe what you're doing there and he was you know he was like why why not and I'm you know I just it's it's very if you if you can't see why something's not safe it's like, excuse me, I, just, I saw you about to stick your dick in that, uh, that that you know that grinder over there, and I just uh, I just need to point out that if you stick your dick in there, like it's gonna get ground off. It's like, why, why, what's wrong with you know, you know? Maybe he wanted to have it. Maybe he wanted to kill his son. I don't know, but it is a very different, difficult thing because it's like, oh, you, you. You you act like you know something I don't, a kind of thing. It's like no, it's not that I know something you don't, but you just know you don't know fucking anything. If you know, like it's it's a uh, it's I guess, but it seems it's like weird to see it twice in the same day and just um, you know, you're always the the aim the aim when you're setting up a bealy or trying to make a system is to make it as safe as possible. 
not to do the minimum amount required to make it safe. You've got to make it as safe as possible. So if you're setting up a top rope anchor, you know, like might, someone might look at my top rope anchor and they'd be like, why have you, you've tied it to that, that metal stake, uh, which most people might just trust that by itself. And then you've got it going over to that tree. And then when it goes over the edge, you've got it attached to a cam and a nut or something. And you're like, well, yeah, it's like it's, it's four pieces of gear. But basically that stake has been there since like the, you know, the 18th century when this was a quarry and they were working, they were working it. Like you have, it might look nice and shiny, you know, metally at the top, but you don't know what, how you don't even know how deep it is. It could be completely corroded and like millions of people top rope off it. Like one of these days it's going to break. And then where the rope is tied to that's not a tree. That's the, that's the bush over there. And the, and that and everyone t- everyone ties the ropes to that bush and the bush is basically dead, and the root is just a root of the bush and the, so it's only tied to that. So so neither of these two things in my book are actually safe. So and here is you know the 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 two bits of gear actually on the face of the climb are actually the two safest pieces of gear. They're not like you know they're not like a backup really. The other things are the backup. And, you know, the, those two pieces of gear also position the rope where the, you know, where the climb is. So, like, if someone falls, you know, cl- climb sideways and all, and they fall, the force is on those two pieces of gear. It's not on that one bush, which is then going to rip out. And then you're going to, the rope is going to cheese grit across the top of the crag as it, as it weights the other thing, which is probably going to break anyway if you take that kind of fall. So it's just, but you do see so many people, it's almost like, Oh, you're a bit safe, you know. You're a bit, you're a bit of a safety person, aren't you? I can see you've put like three bits of gear in there when, you know, none would <laughs> suffice. So it's not, it's not about being, it's not a sign of like of of being of mastery. If is to be dangerous, it's the it's the opposite way around. And I always, I always tell this story about climbing with uh, Andy Parkin, who was kind of a legendary, you know, ice climber, like mountaineer. And we went to this route called Shivalingam, which is like a grade six ice route back in the day when that was when grade six was was proper proper hard. And we uh, we soloed the first pitch, and then I led the second pitch, and and he led the he he led the last pitch, which is which is probably the hardest pitch. And he was going up, and I just had this idea that he would just like run out the whole thing because he was this like hard man. Like Andy Parkin, basically one of his arms is fused. So he can just like hang on it all day long. And uh, it's, like, it's like fused at 45 degrees. So he can just like hang on an ice axe. Anyway, but he, he, he climbs up and he kind of, first of all, he, I think he whacked in like a peg, like into the rock and then clipped, into, clipped the rope into that. Then he went a bit higher. Then he kind of got his leg sort of wrapped around this boss of ice and then he put like two ice screws in and like equalize them and clip the rope into that. And he just like laced up this route. And I was just like, and it was like a really good, a really good thing of like, that is what being a good climber is about. It's not about, you know, running it out, you know, and eventually one day falling off and dying. It's about, it's about, it's money in the bank, basically. It's just about putting in the time, putting in the gear, getting good at putting gear in, you know, like Mick Fowler, they always said about Mick Fowler, like he could find gear anywhere, anywhere. And I think I've that, and someone told me that, and I always try to do the same. Like I can be 
somewhere where it looks like it's absolutely nothing going in and I can find some gear. Like I am a, I would say I'm a, that's one of my key skills is be able to find gear, like dig down into the ice or into the muck or into the, you know, smack rock, <laughs> break rock out of cracks and find a, you know, create a, you know, manu, not manufacture replacement, but you've got, you know, on some crags, the cracks are full of muck and dirt and you can like whack it, you know, my, my nut tools are always like completely worn to worn down because I've, you know, scraped so much crap out of cracks and stuff. But you know, and then having the right gear so you can, you know, you can like exploit those those kind of things. So in the past, that would be having like bed beaks when no one no one even knew what bed beaks what bed bed beak was. You know, you're going to do roots, um, uh, you know, on on Ben Nevis and stuff, and you'd you'd be able to find like make get really good gear with that kind of gear. Where before people would have you know, some warthogs and a moak and whatever. But, you know, it is about, like, finding, that, being able to find the gear and making it safe or building a bee layer and making it safe. It's not about, oh, yeah, he was, oh, he was so cool, like, he didn't even have a bee layer. And, you know, that's just not really, it's not really acceptable, really. You know, like, there are times in your life when you're not going to have a bee layer, but don't make those times <laughs> the times when you could have a bee layer. You know, they really, you know, really save those times up because... They don't happen very often in your life when there's when there is no belay whatsoever. There's always something. So, um, so yeah. So I think is it is a tricky one. What I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go on my on my website. I'm gonna add uh, Jan's uh, video to the to any post I've got. And I'm thinking I'm I'm gonna redo me myself and I. I'm gonna do like the third edition. And I think I'm just gonna remove all the self lining stuff out of it because. It is, uh, it is a, it's just too, it's just too tricky thing. And I don't want to people, you know, like people could die and sue me, but I don't really have any, I'm not really worth suing. Um, that's why like when Jim Bridwell was sued, they, well, they didn't sue him, they sued like Black Diamond because basically Jim Bridwell didn't have anything, anything worth having. So, you know, that's, but that's not really very good defense. Like I really, I set out. I set out to do the things I do, not to make money off climbers. I set out to do it in order to make climbers safer. Um, you know, like the down, the down book, and even the even the me myself and I and the higher education. All those books are not about me making loads and loads of money because there are easier ways, probably of like <laughs> working in a supermarket. It's probably a better way of making money, but I genuinely have always felt in in service to to climbers really even though if they're not they don't even though i'm not appreciated sometimes you know I, I have always i have always felt like that is my tribe and that is the people you know i'm i'm not responsible for them but i am responsible to to try and communicate like to communicate to non-climbers what climbing is about and what climbers are about and people who do like risky shit but also to try and make it less less risky and less dangerous and uh you know and 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 that kind of thing so so yeah so uh, yeah I really, I really appreciate like Jan and I, and I probably would appreciate people on the pod on the um you know on the forums who are trying to trying to do the same sort of thing but you just have to you just have to be careful not to end up doing something that's even more dangerous and i would say like the the micro tractions and things that are actually more dangerous in the end um you know they're not really they're not really if you got like two of them on the rope 
you you know they're probably safe enough but uh i just i don't know i just i think there's there's something to be said for the shun and there's something to be there's something to be said for all of them but all of them have you know drawbacks and uh dangers and things so yeah so i mean that's that's me talking for an hour um i probably have some more questions but i, I can't be asked looking for them i need to make my tea i'm gonna make I'm gonna i'm trying to because because of, of I'm trying to learn to make food, to make decent food that's that's um, that's kind of recession, good for recession, good for inflation, good for you know when everything costs like ten times as much as it used to. So I'm basically I'm making goulash tonight. I basically it's, you need to look at what people eat, like what poor people eat, <laughs> poor people who haven't got access to much food. That's what that's the kind of food you need to look at making. So yeah, I'm making goulash. I don't know if you've ever is it borscht, like borscht soup, like Russian sort of Eastern European beetroot soup. That's another good one to have. That's 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 a very good one. Uh corned beef hash, that's a good one. Yeah, you have to just get a can some cans of corned beef. A very, very good. You can make that and it just it just potatoes, carrots, onions, corned beef corned beef, um, a bit of stock, bang it in a big, big pan. That's good. That's that way I grew up eating corned beef hash. So yeah, anything. Get one of those tortilla presses. I've got one, but you know, make your own tortillas. Yeah, rice and beans and all that kind of stuff. That's good. Uh, good, good food for uh, for high food prices. You know, so I think I don't think people have to worry too much. Maybe, maybe I'm being typically paranoid about this kind of stuff, but um, that's the real world. You have to think about these things. What to do? There's like there's three there's three people making money in this house now, so it's not maybe it's not so. Not so bad. I'm not like an old person trying to live off a pension. That would be that'd be worse. Although there's always suicide. So, so yeah. So I shall on that on that cheery note. I shall uh, I shall uh, leave you. So I'll put I'll put in the link to Jan's video and also the video um, from the How Not to guys about. You can you can watch it. Tell me what you think. And. Uh, and I shall try and do a podcast. I, I was going to put on, I was going to do the uh, the podcast. I was going to put the my tour, my last gig on on here, but I don't know if it's I don't know if the quality is good enough because I actually I just have to put the tape recorder like on the side, the side of the stage, and it is a bit it's a bit crap. So I'll see if I can clean it up. But if not, um, it's good. It's always good to keep a reference of these things myself because you you have lots of lots of things you say and you just forget next time you next time you do them so so yeah okay until next time see you soon Mealtime inspiration. It's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.